I was just driving down the uh, road. I, I take Cypress to uh, Middleton Grange um, every single day. Um, dads, put your hand up, dads, uh, that you are driving children to school every morning. Yeah, okay, so, um, so we could just simply listen to yet again another track of Drake in the car and, and have at 8 o'clock or 8.10 having Drake uh, just belt out some sweet rhymes. But there was a moment where I, I there was, I, as you could tell, I love And um, so I, I'm sitting and I was faced with a dilemma. Something had come up along my, my email stream, something had you know, been asked of me, and I said, you know, this, I thought about this clip, I said, this could be a teachable moment for my son. So as we're driving, I said, here's the situation, and he's like, what is it? And I started talking about a situation that I was being brought into. Something had been asked of me that would cause me to question my integrity as not only as a pastor, but as a man. What, and, and I started asking him, like, what do you think we should do? And I asked him, I said, what do you think you should do? What is your character saying? When, when character, see, the thing is about characters, it's not just so much what you do in front of people's eyes, it's what you do when no one's looking. So here, I, there's a question of integrity. And I said, it's a question of ethics. Not so much the good thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. So as we're driving and from Woolston, Woolston all the way to Middleton Grange, it's a good, oh, what do you think, Cypress? Like 25-minute drive, 30-minute drive? And we're having a good conversation. I want to just think about this morning that, you know, I don't, maybe you've heard this, that, you know, as we, as we are parenting, a lot of things are caught and then taught. But I want to actually first look at the second one is, I think there is a teaching that needs to still be done with our children. You can't just, you know, yes, live it well, and, and, and but this dad is getting primed, he's getting ready, I'm like, this is the moment, the defining moment, I'm going to actually teach my son something. But I think, I think we're always teaching, aren't we? From the drive time to Middleton Grange to just conversations that we're having around the dinner table. We still need instruction. There's a great teachable moment for my son. And I've been, I've, not that my daughter is immune to this, she has heard many a lesson from her dad on many road trips or talks, many nights after work where we just sit down at like 11.30, 12 midnight because she works at Rollick and Gelato on Cashel Street and she's up there, so feel free to talk to her about that. But I want to look at this one passage. Turn to your Bibles in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, New, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The last book of the five, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 and 9. In, uh, in Hebrew, this is called the Shema. Shema Israel. And it's this thing that you have to recite as a young uh, Jewish boy. But here, Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. And what? Does you do, do you just get to keep those things on your heart? No, you teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them 
when you sit in your house around the dinner table or on the road trip to Middleton Grange. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Or maybe you've read this scripture in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And lastly, I love this one in the New Testament now. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. We used to always laugh because uh, Crystal would say, don't exacerbate your children. That's the true word there. In the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. So there is a valuable, a valuable component to teaching your kids the way of the Lord. Teaching your, way, teaching your kids about Jesus. It could be done in devotional times or you sit down and you read from the Bible. I have a friend of mine, um, Andrew, and his kids, he would, he would do almost every single night, he would sit down with his kids and he'd do a small chapter of the Bible. Or maybe it is those devoted moments where you have a road trip time and you say, here's a thing, what do you think about Jonah being, having to throw himself overboard into the ocean because that's exactly what he needed to do? And you just go from there. And you'd be like, oh, what, who's a Jonah? Then you've got a platform to talk about Jonah. Faith begins at home. When I was a youth pastor, I was impressed by a speaker one time as he declared over the whole youth conference that moms and dads were first the youth's first pastor, not us. So when you send your child to, to, to work with Emily or to uh, Ignite with, with uh, Sarah or our new youth pastor, Brad, they are not the first pastor in their lives. You are. You are to train them in the ways of the Lord. Too many times I remember as a youth pastor, youth were literally dropped off and said, basically, look, I got to go to work. I'm paying the money to send my kids to Christian school, so you got this because I got to go. And we were kind of, that weightedness was on me to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. I didn't want to just throw all these verses at them. It'd be simple as just doing yet again another teaching. But I started to deploy what I call the three C's. Some of you guys already know the three C's. I'll put it up right here. The first one is consistency. The first one, the second one is commitment, and the third one is care. These three C's are actually more of a, not only a philosophy of how I've done youth ministry over, over a decade, but it's actually how I do ministry in all the churches that I've pastored. I was consistent with the gospel. Every time the kids would come into youth group, I never deviated that we're going to just start talking about how to be a good friend. Everything came back to Jesus Christ. I wasn't just about doing just daily devotions or nightly devotions, but I was now living a devoted life with my family. These youth saw how I was with my kids, and 
They saw how I was on Sunday and the two lined up. I didn't just magically be like super Christian dad on Sunday, but then be terrible human being on Monday. It had to be consistent. Commitment. I was there for them. Just as Jesus in the incarnation was with us, I maintained that same posture by the grace of God as much as I could, as much as I was able, I was with them. Not only with my kids, my family, but also with the youth that I was overseeing. Sadly, I remember again another speaker saying one time that um, the statistics of solo moms were on the, on the rise. And it's been on the rise, doesn't matter if it's Canada or America or even in New Zealand, that there is a staggering statistic of kind of dads dropping out, dropping off the radar, not being a part at all in the lives of their children. Part of the thing that this speaker said is that generations were now growing up without their dads, a fatherless generation. Where are the men, this speaker said. And he said, you know what? If you just stayed in it, just show up, that's like half the job. You could, you, you could just not really be consistent. You could, you could maybe, not, not that you're an evil person, but if you could just be there, physically be there, that's half the job. But sadly, our statistics, even in New Zealand, is there are a lot of solo moms taking care of kids, and there's a lot of dads that are not with their families. So that's a, that's a cause for us to pray. So when we highlight, when we honor, when we pray, when we hand out chocolates to men, we're saying to you, we honor you, not because of the, what you're doing, but we, just, we are so excited that you're, you're staying in it. You are staying with your families. And if you're here this morning and maybe you haven't, there is no shame. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There is a story that I don't know about, but I believe that there, it's never too late to have an engagement with your family and with your children. And if you need help, come find me after the service, and I want to, I want to join your journey for reconciliation. And the last three is care. It's interesting, you could be consistent. You could, you know, I'm there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going there, I'm going to be committed. But if you're not caring, you know, you could be physically present, but the whole pie is when you add the flavor of caring. When we truly care and support our kids, that is the perfect trifecta. You have to have all three of these C's to work. If you have one that drops off, then it just doesn't work. And now this has been kind of a, a philosophy of how I've cared for congregations, for how I care for staff, and it has been kind of the philosophy of how I've cared for my family. But not so much as it's just being taught. There's another part that I mentioned. It's about being caught. There are some things that just get caught in the nets. If you guys turn to your Bibles, and this is the text I want to look at this morning, because we've got a lot of fishing gear on the stage, is Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 7. 
Luke 5, 1 to 7, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were, and were washing their nets. They were kind of done for the day. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked to be put out um, a little from the land. And he sat down and he started teaching people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets, let them down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, like Jesus, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. You imagine in that moment, you had kind of put all your stuff away. You hung up your nets just like this. They're ready for the next day. And Jesus says, go grab your nets. Go out into the deeper water and lay them down. Put them down into the deep water. Part of me would be like, oh, man. But there was something about Simon had realized that he had trusted already in who Jesus was. And he was like, you know what? I have seen miracle after miracle after miracle with this guy. Maybe he's like the god of all fish or something. I don't know. So he's like, grab the nets, boys. And in their energy, and almost in a sense of doubt, I, I, if I was them, I would be like grumbling, going, I don't know if this is going to work out. Jesus, Jesus should just stick to healing people and demons and stuff, but not fishing. Simon answered said, no, master, we have toiled all night. And took, he's almost like reminding him, just going, there's no fish in this lake, Jesus. But I trust you. Verse 6, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, and they started to begin to sink. Gentlemen, we need to continue to drop the nets into the deep and prepare for the catch of your life. This is the, this is the part where not only is it teaching, but now it's catching. I want to say this one nugget for you this morning. You get what you are. And by the grace of God, if your kids are being surrounded by that life, lived out for Jesus, there's a good chance they will emulate, they will just be little, like what the guy said, sponges and soak in all that kingdom goodness. I changed this kid's name. I'll call him Stuart. Stuart was a part of my youth group. He's a good kid, like athletic, had everything going for him. I was, but I, I was shifting, I was transitioning out of this church. I was transitioning out of, out of that youth ministry. And for, he caught, it was like from between Ignite and Freedom. He wasn't able just to get in. He was looking forward to coming into our youth group, our youth ministry. But I was transitioning out. His dad stopped me in the middle of the mall one time. 
said, you know, um, we were supposed to go today. I said, okay. Did you go? Yeah, we did, but my steward couldn't go. Oh, why? He got a drug charge. I said, what happened? Well, you know, uh, you decided to go into another church. He didn't get to go to your youth group. He left the Christian school, started going to public school, started hanging out with the wrong kind of people. But had you not moved, he would have gone to your youth ministry. He probably would have come to Hawaii with us. This is literally, I'm in the mall with my family. They're hearing this happen. And I just said, look, I am so sorry that that's what happened to Stuart. I felt honored in a bit. You know, it was a weird thing. It's like, I felt honored for a second going, wow, you think that I have all that kind of personality and that ability to, to spiritually disciple people? Well, thank you. But hold on a minute. I'm not in the rescuing business. He is. The, father care, the father's character wasn't mine. And he, whatever he was doing, but he was too busy to do his job as a dad and he was looking to blame someone. It's called the blame game. And he saw me, and he saw all the other kids that I had done youth ministry with and how successful and, and blessed they are. And he said, if only my kid would have gone to your youth group, he wouldn't have got in with the wrong people. You get what you are. I, I, I wasn't going to own that. That dad... At that moment, he was not teachable going, you know what, you should do. I I wasn't going to do that to him in the middle of the mall. I just said, I'm sorry about how your son's life is turning out to be. One time, Mikhail and I were walking down Fort Street in Victoria. Fort Street is uh, uh, right in the CBD, and there's this really big used bookstore. And we used to love going to this used bookstore, right, Mikhailah? Do you remember that? Well, coming out, and, and I was, you know, it's, it's kind of busy. I'm trying to remember where I parked, and, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm looking for the car. And all of a sudden, we go past one of our street friends. That's what we call them. They're not homeless. They're not beggars. They're not, they're not bums or whatever. And we just called them street friends. So I, I didn't actually see my peripheral. So we had got maybe not even like 20 feet, and all of a sudden, Kyla just, just said, Dad, we got to stop. Like, she was just... She was, we got to stop. I said, whoa, what's going on? She's like, it's like we got to go back and check this guy out. I said, okay, what guy? I'm like, I was oblivious. I said, uh, that guy. So she starts walking without me. She's like, do-do-do. She's, she's getting down eye level. What do you need, brother? He's like, oh, I'm hungry. And right behind him literally is a, a, this sunken down cafe. So we walk downstairs, just gaze at what they've got left to eat. It's like, oh, there's a tuna fish sandwich. Go buy them a tuna fish sandwich. I don't know if your kids have done that. It gets kind of threw me for a loop. But my daughter has been ruined for the ordinary. Her life now is that when she sees injustice, when she sees someone that's in pain or in hardship, that's kind of like, all I know my, no, my normal now is I got to go help him out. Well, how did that happen? Did she, did she watch a, a YouTuber and that got inspiring? Well, maybe she, a little bit, I don't know. But this is when she was this little wee thing. She caught something. 
She caught a, a, a part of a character that she had saw, and she saw that it was good. She saw something in mom and I that, that this is what we do. We didn't just do it because, is everyone looking? Is everyone, it's like, I'm a pastor, and I'm about to help this street friend. Y'all understand, Jesus? Come on. We just, we, that was just normal for us. We saw a street friend, and we were like, hey, man, what do you need? What? He, and we would get right down to the eye level. Hey, man, what do you need? And it was always, I'm, I'm always hungry or I'm needing a hot drink. Because a lot of times they're so used to like, oh, I need money. And we're, like, <laughs> and we're like, no, you don't need money. What do you need? Oh, I'm, I'm like hungry, man. I, 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 just, I haven't eaten for days. I said, okay, tuna fish sandwich on, a, on its way. That was something that we didn't really teach her, but she caught it. So, what's in your nets today? What are you catching first? So you can't lead this life for Christ for your kids unless you fill your boats first. So dads, men, young men, now is the time to drop your nets into the deep. God is going to supply the catch of your life. But there's a part where you have to surrender. I don't get this. This makes no sense, Jesus. I, I just hung up my nets. But if Jesus is saying do something, you do it. And then your kids are like, they're sucking. They're just sponges. They're, they're watching you. You're under a microscope, aren't they? Every move you make, every breath you take, they are watching you. And then you see them emulate it. You see them do it, and you're like, who taught you that? Oh, that was me. I love those videos on TikTok where if mom and dad had been using lewd or rude language, and all of a sudden the one-year-old says it, they're like, and, the, and the, the parent's like, oh, no! What happened? What do you think? They just sucked it up. They have no context of what it means. But because daddy's using it, it's okay. Trust Jesus this morning. He knows the best fishing spots. Trust that when you drop your nets into the word of God, into the presence of God, into the spirit of God, that you will bring up uh, not just enough. I just love that. It's not just enough. You just pull up the net and you're like, oh, you know, just, just, oh, it looks like it's just one fish. Thanks, Jesus. He's actually, it's, it's weighing down the boat. It's weighing down two boats. It's almost to the point of capsizing. I remember one guy saying, it's like, oh, isn't that just excessive? Isn't that just quite wasteful for the Lord? But that's how much he loves you. He's constantly trying to grab you by the shoulders, grab you by the face and say, that's how much I love you. My love is excessive. My love is bountiful. Just drop your nets. If you don't, if you don't get it, you don't have to get it. Just trust in me. And last, you know, like that song 
Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep fishing. If you guys look at this text on the, on the screen here, Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. I think sometimes we forget about those other two verses. For I know the plans I have for you dads, men. For I know the plans I have for you, stepfather. I know the plans I have for you, new dad. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. But I love this, verse 12 and 13. And you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. That's not contingent or conditional on how good you are. He will always hear you. And 13, and when you seek me and find me, when you seek me with all your heart. Keep fishing. His spots are the best. His bounty is the best. And he is always consistent, committed in caring for you and for your family. Amen? Amen. Keep on seeking him, young dads, just like John was praying this morning. Just keep on seeking the face of the Lord. And for all you older grandparents, you're not retired. You're not dead yet. Keep praying. You stop praying when you see Jesus, amen? You promise me? Because when we do like child dedications, one of the things that we do is we pray for the family, we pray for the baby. But what do I tell you to do? Pray for this family. So you're not off the hook. So if you're in the church and you said, I'm going to pray for, you know, the Clutterbucks or we're going to pray for uh, the McConaughey's, yeah, have you? It's on you, right? You have to continue to lay your nets into the deep water and trust that God's bounty is going to be not just for you, but for those families. And I love this. There's no fishing limits. Where I was from in the West Kootenays, the, in British Columbia, there's very, very, very strict fishing limits. Like, you literally could just touch a fish and you have to let it go. Like, you, you weren't allowed even to take it out of the water. They were so protected. But you know what? There's no fishing limits with Jesus. Keep hauling the fish. Keep bringing them in. His bounty is so fresh that you could fish every day. You could go to God's word and say, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for my kids? What do you have for the conversation in the car? What do you have for my, my table time this, the, this evening for dinner? And God will always give you a bounty. But what? When you seek him, you find him. Is there a trick? Is there tips and tricks? No. You still need to teach others how to fish. You still need to tell people about the love of God and the gospel, the teaching part. Train your kids in the way to go. And when they get older, they won't depart from it. But also know that they are sponges. And they are going to catch the good, the bad, and the ugly. Show them grace. Show them forgiveness. I remember one time... I'm going to have the band come. I remember this one time. I was with the kids at the park. 
And that, Michaela was like, woohoo, she was just giving her. And, Cyprus, and she was always keeping an eye on Cypress. Cypress was this long-haired, energetic little like firecracker. And I don't know what happened, but Cypress grabbed a hold of something, some other toy that another child was doing, and he just like dominated that toy. And that child fell to the ground, ah, just started crying, ran to his mama. And I said, Cypress, and, and that's what you, you need to name your children something that you can yell, right? So you name your child Cypress, like that's a great yelling name. Hard for Michaela, Michaela, like it's, it's got syllables, right? But Cypress is a great name to, to yell, so he's Cypress, and you're like, what? He's like, go over to that boy, say, hi, my name is Cypress, I am sorry, please forgive me. And he did, he walked over to that little boy, and he said, hi, my name is Cypress, I'm sorry, please forgive me. All of a sudden, the mom comes over. She's like, oh, what are you, what's going on here? I said, what's going on is my son, I think, knocked your boy to the ground. He's asking, he's just saying he's sorry, and he's asking forgiveness. Well, forgiveness, though. She's, she's kind of like, whew, isn't that a little, isn't that a little much for like a three-year-old? I said, well, when, if not, then when? When do you start teaching your kids about forgiveness? Now. When they're three. So then it becomes normalized. That parent was like, well, just don't worry about it. It's all good. I said, you know, it's not a problem. I said, but the problem was, and now we've dealt with it. And now there's forgiveness. Caught. Taught. Where did I get it? I drop my nets in the deep. Trusting Jesus that he'll give me those moments to show the gospel, show the goodness of God. Why don't we all stand right now? For some of you dads, you're like, man, that seems like, like out of this world. I can't, how do I even begin to do Because God brought you here to hear this message this morning. If you need help in being a great dad or a great uncle or a great grandparent, ask. We'll help you. Guys like John, he's got kids in his 50s. I got teenager and 20 year like we've it's not my first rodeo. We can help you.